Welcome to The Real Deal with Jason Silverman, the podcast dedicated to helping you build the business of your dreams and live the life you always hoped for, with valuable and fun tips and info to make your life easier and more fun. And now, here's your host, a man who sprinkles metal shavings on his breakfast cereal just for fun, Jason Silverman. Hello, everybody, and welcome to The Real Deal with Jason Silverman. I'm your host, Jason Silverman, and I'm thrilled to share some time with you once again today. As you know, I am always, always on the hunt for interesting as well as super smart Real Deal guests. And i got to tell you, today's show is right on par. You know, I want to introduce my listeners to somebody who's truly been there and done that, and I'm excited to pick his brain for your benefit today. Now, for the folks who I work with in any of my coaching programs, mastermind group, or through Powerful Words Character Development, All-Star Cheer Sites, or Dance Sites done right, you know how much I focus on the importance of self-mastery, right? Well, this show is going to help us to do just that in kind of in a, in a really cool roundabout way. So today it's going to be my honor and privilege to share an amazing resource with you. You're going to love today's guest. He's got a ton of valuable info about what I consider to be a super hot topic to help you succeed as well as a fun way to deliver it. So strap yourself in. Today's show is going to be a blast. Now, as I'm sure you already know, I'm, I'm committed to helping business owners just like you to become more successful, enjoy your career more, and in general, make your life significantly and dramatically more fun. You know, we only go around this... Uh, this merry-go-round once, so let's make sure it's one hell of a ride, folks. All right, boys and girls, it is now that time. I want you to stop surfing Facebook, put down your tablet, your dog, your cat, your spouse, your child, anything that might possibly, possibly distract you from today's show. You're about to get some great and immediately usable information, and I don't want you to miss even a second of it. So before we officially get going, I want to give you a little bit of background about our guest today. <clears throat> so... Jan Wright is a 25-year veteran of law enforcement. He retired as the Chief of Police of the Hamburg, New Jersey Police Department. He's a New Jersey Police Training Commission pistol, rifle, and shotgun instructor, a former instructor for the Navy SEAL Adventure Challenge in Virginia Beach, Virginia, Insight Firearms Development Instructor. He's currently the Director of Training at RTSP here in New Jersey. Jan specializes in instructing police recruits and active-duty police officers. He's a graduate of West Point Command and Leadership and the FBI Executive Leadership Program at Princeton University. Jan is an active member of the New Jersey State Chief of Police Association and the Sussex County Chiefs of Police Association. Jan's also a registered yoga teacher and is the founder and director of the Hamburg Junior Police Academy and former board member of Ginny's House Child, Ginny's House Child Advocacy Commission. Now, one other note here is um, I've taken some phenomenal private lessons from Jan um, at the range, and I have to tell you, I'm really excited to um, to kind of dig deep into his methods because he teaches like nobody else. And what I found really important and exciting, not just for people who are interested in shooting, because I know that's not everybody, although it should be, um, I think that his methods are so phenomenal for personal development and professional development. So make sure you're taking notes and make sure you're looking at this and above this during today's podcast because he has got a ton. He's a wealth of information and uh, I'm excited to, uh, to get this going. So Jan, I'm thrilled to have you today. Welcome aboard. And good afternoon to you. 
So before we get started, for those who haven't yet had the opportunity and pleasure of either meeting you or taking a lesson or hearing you speak, do me a favor, share your story with our listeners. You know, what are you passionate about? What makes you tick? Who is Jan Wright? Uh, Jan Wright likes to push himself way beyond where he thinks he's comfortable, and I encourage that to uh, anybody I speak to, whether I'm speaking to college groups or even business things. Uh, comfort kills. Let's stay out of that area right there. Uh, things like enjoying how to, what makes people work, what makes people work when things aren't going well or as planned. Uh, how can I personally, just by using language, guide somebody to go past where they thought they could ever go before? Is really with, there's nothing better than somebody coming up to me, uh, involved in doing something who really wants to throw in the towel and then just having a few words with them and several hours later them coming up and saying, thank you very much because I was looking for permission to quit or at least some guidance in that direction and you didn't offer it. And, and, and honestly, when I look back, all I did was just kind of, I'm the voice of reason, just kind of get them right back on track. Well, that's, you know, I, I, I found that immediately. Um, as I said, you know, the, the first lesson I took with you, I was like, wow, this is different. Way, 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 way different. Um, and there's so much more to this. So... Let, let, let's dig in a little bit. You know, why is your method of firearm training different than traditional teaching? I, in my opinion, the traditional teaching, uh, right off the get-go, teaches, teaches everyone is as if they're the cookie cutter, exactly the same person. Um, and I was very fortunate uh, in my police career, and I use this sarcastically, that I was uh, the product of no training on top of poor training. And what I mean by poor training is generally well-meaning, useless information, such as uh, you know looking at a target after shooting and, and an instructor saying things like, "Well, well, you need to move them over," uh, <laughs> you know, which, which means, "Well, or you need to shoot more," which basically means go to the range, waste money, just shoot really poorly a lot more. Um, and I, I personally struggled through my police career. You know, even every lesson that I teach, and I think this is a little bit different than any other instructor too, I, I explained to him that when I went to the academy, I had absolutely no idea how I passed. If passing was a 78, I shot at probably a 78, 79. If I shot an 85, I couldn't tell you why. Uh, <laughs> and I don't have a problem, and I, I think uh, showing a bit of humanity, especially when I'm talking to a new police recruit, who's, you know, in this panic mode of uh, if I don't have enough holes in my target, I'm going to go find another career. Uh, and that's not by my choice. It's because you're, you're out. You're done. So uh, I, I was very fortunate that I had those things. At the time, I didn't realize it. But now looking back, I saw uh, what some of the situations were. And as I progressed through my career, I saw that there are people, uh, and I think you can find this in any given thing, that just because you're good at something doesn't mean you can teach it. <laughs> and, uh, you know, that that's where I was going with my career, that it's, uh, as my career progressed, I have to laugh because the chief must have seen something in me. I did because he asked if I wanted to go to firearms instructor school. I literally turned around because I thought he was talking to someone else. And I said, well, chief, I'd be honored to go. But, you know, at this point I was okay, but you have to try out to get in this thing. And he gave me some more uh, useless, good-meaning advice. He's uh, he got a couple months. Why don't you just go down to the range and practice, which basically I went down to the range and wasted bullets. Uh, and when I went to the tryout, I, I made it by one bullet, and I have no idea why or how. I, I guess I wished them in, and it worked by one bullet. Um, and I actually learned how to shoot at the place I was supposed to be learning how to teach, 
And uh, once I graduated from that program, though, I realized that I was no better than any the other instructors I've ever met because, uh, you know, someone did take the time to actually teach me to shoot there. He was an older gentleman. And when I graduated, I realized I was doing the exact same thing that 99% of the other instructors were doing, just pointing out the obvious but not actually teaching. And then the other aspect of teaching is speaking to your, your student in a language they understand. Um, it's very important when I sit down with somebody for a lesson that I know uh, what motivates them, why are they there. Now, for law enforcement, that's pretty simple. Uh, they're there, you know, for the, their, their firearm skills are part of their job. Yet when I'm speaking with someone who's not law enforcement, I want to know why they're there. And basically I'm just going to, what they tell me, I'm going to turn it around and make it important to them so that they're, they're enthusiastic about learning it. I also want to know what someone does for a living. And although that can seem completely irrelevant, to me it's very important. If they are someone who is an analytical thinker, I'm going to have to, have to uh, work with that. Shooting uh, is not analytical. Actually, that's one of the biggest problems I see with shooting, which is uh, paralysis through analysis. People are, are overanalyzing every single step, and what happens is they, uh, uh, it doesn't work that well. Uh, they're, they're too much trying to figure out how to put things in order and overcomplicate things. So if I ask somebody what they do for a living and they tell me they're a financial advisor, uh, that's when I go, oh, great. Uh, I, I gotta, this is something that I have to work with. Uh, the best shooting lesson I had was a woman who was a hairdresser because she knew how to allow the, the tools of her trade to do the work, and she can also have it's, it's a very creative thinker. She can look at a mop of hair and see the finished product as she's developing it as opposed to a, a financial advisor who is, you know, 2 plus 2 equals 4 always. If it doesn't, I'll make it. <laughs> uh, with that kind of thinking... Um, it's it'd be, it's actually an extra challenge uh, because it, and they may not even like the career that they're in, but if that's what they're good at, that's the way their brain thinks. So uh, as far as my method of teaching, it starts right from the get-go of just knowing your student. What a novel idea. Ask them why they're there. Give it give, ask whatever they want. Give it right back to them. And... Uh, and just to, to be able to, to motivate them and excite them through almost all the time it's, it's positive reinforcement. Uh, generally, in, in uh, what I experienced in the police academy and still to this day what I watch people on the range is not necessarily negative, but nobody ever tells anybody when you're doing it right that's good. Uh, when, when a shot goes exactly where we want, we have a small party there in, in the shooting port. Because I want to emphasize and psychologically anchor good behavior. And I'll even take the time to do something completely different and ask somebody what went right. We seem to always focus on when we make a mistake, oh, that was wrong. And then half the time we don't even investigate why, why was it wrong. And that's another thing I do is teach people how to diagnose their shots. Uh, but if you get it right, stop. And I tend to do that not only with... with when I'm teaching people to shoot, but I do it my every day. If I have a really good day, I want to know why, uh, because I want to do it again. So it could be as simple as, you know, what, what was my day like? I mean, I even examined it to, you know, what time did I, what did I do in this day that everything seemed to fall together in order? Um, and, of course, if something didn't, you want to look into that also. So uh, it's interesting when I watch people uh, teach their friend on the range, which I just call them my future customers, and they're, they have buddies that are going to help them. And uh, 
they're usually, as I said, you know, confusing them through analyzing things, and they're telling them to do about five things at once, which our brains aren't really too good at, although multitasking seems to be a, a quality we look for in people. Uh, it generally doesn't go so well. So if you have somebody telling you to do five things at one time, you're lucky to get one of them right. So that, that's one of the, the skills that I do. That's fabulous. Uh, let, let's, let's break it down even a little bit further. So, like, why would you say the traditional methods usually lead to failure? I just think some of them are antiquated. I, I, as I mentioned, it's, this is the way we do Sometimes in firearms you get stuck in that this is the way we do it uh, philosophy. And there is no deviation from that, which, you know, I teach a way to do something. Uh, one of my silly comments I said to people, if you could stand on your head and put bolts in the same hole, then stand on your head. But um, I, I just think even the language that is used, uh, specifically just for the general operation, leads to problems. Uh, one of the things I enjoy studying is is, is the way our subconscious runs our life way more than we ever think it does. And just the language from the old school way of doing things. For example, uh, every person that's ever either shot a gun or watched our safety video, if I say to them the following sentence, uh, don't put your finger on, they will all answer the trigger. Which, for safety reasons, obviously we all know what that means. Just don't put your finger on the trigger until you're tempted on using the gun. But just that statement alone is, is a negative statement. It doesn't tell you what to do. It just tells you what not to do. And uh, learning how to do something by learning how not to do it is very time-consuming, and it's actually uh, also a very negative way of, of learning something. Why would you tell somebody what not to do? So my response to that is to I uh, tell them uh, to keep their fingers stiff and rigid on the side of the gun until it's time to put it on the trigger. They get it the first time. And as they're doing this, I put, I put their finger on where I want it, and I press on it. So not only am I teaching through an audio, uh, if they want to look, it's a visual, and it's also kinesthetic. So it's, it's, it's much more your, your body is involved in the learning as opposed to just you know, listening to something on an audio. Uh, even the, the, the old school, as I refer to it, or the, with the, the way I just definitely don't teach, it, the language is um, you can scare people. Uh, without even know they're doing it. And I think that's some of the issues that is, the language that is used, which I hear every day here, is detrimental to the learning ex experience, for, particularly for a new shooter. And uh, instructors don't even know they're doing it. For example, uh, they'll have them, uh, as they're operating the pistol, they'll say, well, I want you to uh, squeeze the trigger or press the trigger right here or sometimes pull the trigger. Uh, actually, all three of those don't work for me. I don't want them to pull, press, squeeze. I want them to gently compress. And, and, and when I say gently compress, I, they absolutely understand. Uh, the old school way of saying things was, I want you to squeeze the trigger as you're lining up the sights. And as you squeeze the trigger, the gun's going to go off. And when the gun goes off, it's going to be a surprise. Um, well, that sounds just absolutely wonderful. First of all, the term goes off. Uh, <laughs> that alone right there uh, conjures up ideas of, well, let's see, you know, what has gone off in my life? Fireworks go off. Crazy people go off. Things that are out of control go off. So you just subconsciously told this person that this thing, is, as it goes off, that you're going to need to control it. And, um, and oh, yeah, it's, it's going to be a surprise. And let me tell you what the surprise is. It's an explosion in your hand in front of your face. Yay. I mean, that's <laughs> that's that's the way of wording it. And... Uh, Say my, my, the language that I use is very specific, that I want you to compress the trigger. And as you compress the trigger, the pistol will deploy the bullet when it's ready. 
So we're just taking the control, although you're controlling the pistol, the, the pistol's ready to send the bullet when it's ready. And just by changing the language to compress as opposed to pull, press, squeeze, um, and, you know, the bullet would be sent, ch changes it. Is, it. is the gun doing the same thing? Absolutely. And, uh, you know, th th that makes a world of difference when I'm teaching somebody. It's, and, and some people can say, well, all you're doing is changing the words. I go, well, it absolutely makes a world of difference when you change the words in anything you do. Absolutely. And, and, and understand this. Many of our listeners, um, this is why I think this is so interesting. Many of our listeners are owners of after-school activity centers. So they are either coaches, they're instructors, they're teachers. Um, you've already given a treasure trove so far of different ways of teaching um, that make things way more productive and fast. So I, I have a question because you, you do something really, really cool with all new members uh, and all new new private lessons. So how are you able to have shooters achieve such a high level of marksmanship and operate you know, what I'd consider to be the zone. I mean, and folks, for what it's worth, um, and I've seen Jan do this over and over and over again, um, where he'll take a business card, put it on its side, so it's only the thin side of it, and somebody who's never held a weapon in their hand is able to actually split the business card in half after a half an hour, 45-minute private lesson. So how are you able to do that? Well, I have to give credit where it's due. Um, once I realized that I could shoot but I had no idea how to teach I spent a lot of time traveling around uh, looking for w learning how to teach I spent time down in Blackwater down in North Carolina and then I eventually ran into this group called Insight Firearms Development out of Arizona and they were teaching a class and that's where I it was a whole different step into uh, firearms training which was completely unheard of because it brought in uh, neurolinguistic programming and how to get someone into the zone, which uh, I do adventure sports also, and I'm very familiar with getting in the zone. Uh, I can do it for myself, but the idea is how to get someone else into that. And that's what it comes down to. Uh, I mean, at first, I, I generally tell people that I'm going to teach them to shoot in the classroom. That's where it's going to happen. Uh, and then we're just going to prove it to ourselves out onto the range. So um, we go through the whole step-by-step -step process while we are still in the classroom. Everything from sight alignment, you know, uh, I'm old school, I got this old piece of picture on there, and I, and I explain to them, you know, what it's going to look like, and then we go through the steps exactly the same way we're going to do it on the range. So by using the language there and repeating certain things, uh, I, as I explain to the, the, the shooter, I'm going to teach you them to shoot at a subconscious level. And usually I get a goofy look at me, and because uh, they're thinking like you know Frankenstein in, in a trance. Uh, and I said, but you already know how to operate in a subconscious level. You drive a car, and they go, yeah. I said, well, let me ask you a question here. As you drove here, how many times did you take your foot off the gas onto the brake? And they all just kind of come up with something like, oh, I don't know, or geez, I don't know. I said, no, no, I need an exact number. We're talking life and death here. Yours and everybody else on the road. And you have absolutely no idea how you did that? And they're like, no. I said, how'd you like to shoot like that? So I already have them what I would call a yes track. I want to get them to be in a positive state to learn, uh, continually asking them questions that only have pretty much one answer, which is yes. It's kind of the used car salesman idea of things. And just kind of get them saying yes a couple times. Would you really like to be a good shooter? So once I get them in that good state of mind and and kind of come up with this concept that they think is, is almost unbelievable to be able to shoot at that level, 
Um, so I already have a willing participant, so that makes a huge difference uh, as opposed to old school way where the, I think they normally would teach while standing on the range while sustained gunfire is going on around them. You can hardly hear your instructor, and they're kind of just going through the, uh, all right, kid, this is the way we do things method. So uh, from there, it's, it's all, once we get on the range, I mean, shooting is amazingly simple, and, and I see people make it ridiculously complicated. Uh, it's basically you just line up the sights, focus on the front sight, gently compress the trigger, and wait for the bullet to be deployed by the pistol. When I shoot faster, I just wait less. That's all it is. Uh, just staying focused on the front sight. So uh, to, to bring someone to learn very, very quickly at a, at a really high level of marksmanship, I just literally talk to them. Uh, the first part of the shooting while we're in the port, to have them understand what a good sight alignment looks like, uh, I operate the trigger for them, which is very strange for some people because it's a complete loss of control as when it's going to uh, deploy the bullet. But that's exactly what I want because what I see sometimes is, is shooters trying to weigh too much, trying to control the firearm. Let it do its job. I tell them what you're doing is starting your car, getting out, and trying to push it. It, it doesn't work that way. Or it can, but it's extremely difficult. So that's the first step. The second step is I want them to feel what a proper trigger compression feels like. And I explained to them that um, I could talk all day on how to do that, or you can do it because you're going to feel it. You're going to learn it through... The, the physical motion of what I'm doing. So, uh, you know, what I do is I put my finger on top of theirs, and we're going to do a few shots like that. And as I, as I do each one, I'll say to them, do you feel what I'm talking about? Do you feel what I'm talking about? And I'm mixing words in it because I want them to use the word feel and talk, and it kind of goes together. Um, from there, to make sure that they got it right, I put my finger on the trigger, they put their finger on top of mine, and this way I'll know if they have it right. And sometimes what I see with people is because they know, when you're looking down the, 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 through the sight alignment of the gun, it shakes, and when I explain to people, of course it's going to shake. You have a heart rate, you have a pulse, and you're holding something that's a little heavy out in front of you. It's going to shake. Leave it alone. What people tend to do is they know it's shaking, so they, they snap back on the trigger when they catch it in this magical moment where they think Tinkerbell comes down and goes, now's the magic moment, um, <laughs> and the shot goes all over the place. And what I explain to them is that that shaking of the, of the pistol uh, at the end is uh, very minuscule. Uh, it, it appears it's moving a lot. It, it's an illusion. It's because you're focusing so intensely on that front sight. It's only moving the width of a bullet, but it's the same thing if you take your camera or even if your camera's a, a phone and you zoom into it, you shake. But how come when you open the, the picture wide out, you, you don't seem to be shaking? Well, you are. You just don't notice it because you, you've opened your field of vision. So it's, it's a bunch of those little things like that and my constant conversation when I'm standing next to them. I say the same thing over and over and over, and as they're progressing... I start taking out words because I don't want them to anchor me to it. Interestingly enough, though, I did have one woman who said, every time I shoot, I hear your voice in my head. And I said, well, I, I hear it all the time. It's not that big of a deal. Uh, and uh, But that's actually what it is at my own subconscious. As, as I shoot, I'm also talking to myself, but I've been doing it for so long that it just comes you know, much naturally. Uh, but to, to bring someone to that level... Uh, first of all, I find it very rewarding, uh, particularly when they come in and they have, uh, you know, they, I ask them how the shooting going, and they go on this litany of, of problems they have, and uh, there's nothing better when they're going on about their list of problems, and I already know the answer to it, every single one of the things of why they're doing it, and when you explain to them why they're doing it, they seem to learn a lot faster. Uh, sometimes my, my shooting uh, lessons turn into therapy. I've had a couple of gun therapy classes where people were 
put limitations on themselves that they didn't know they could actually do something. I've had two or three criers. that has been quite interesting. Crying in a good way, tears of joy. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. So tell me this. You know why? What I know you found, and we've had this conversation before. But you know why does your particular method of teaching save folks time and money? Uh, definitely time, because uh, if you know how to load your gun within an hour, uh, I can have you shooting at a real high, pro extreme level of proficiency. Uh, which that also equals to how many bullets you're spending also. Uh, not to say that once you get it, you definitely need to practice, but I, it's, it's more of a perfect practice as opposed to I'm just going to keep doing it until I eventually get it practice. Uh, I'm a big fan of failure. Uh, you, you must fail to be succeed. You want to, you know, double your rate of success, double your rate of failure. And, uh, and, and that makes a big difference also, but you need to know the basic skills first. And um, when I'm teaching a student, I'll also teach them to diagnose the shots on the topic of failure. If you make a shot that if you make a shot and it doesn't go where you want, and you know why, that's fantastic. Uh, I was in a complete different boat. Um, I remember one time an instructor saying to me, "Well, you got some on the outside. How come?" And I replied, "I have no idea how I even got them on the inside." So, you know, I didn't know when I was doing it right, and I didn't know when I was doing it wrong. So when I'm with the shooter and, if it's, and the shot does, and they always will go once in a while, once they'll go off to the side a little bit, and I'll ask them why. Uh, sometimes I get answers like, I don't know, so I'll just twist it right around and ask them some dumb question like, well, if you, if you did know, what do you think it would be? Which means I want you to think harder. And uh, they generally will get it because uh, you know the answer is always within, a little bit of my yoga there. Uh, but what I wanted to see is they're starting to see a pattern of when it doesn't go where they want, they know why they're doing it, and then they can make the correction as opposed to the old school way was, well, just keep blasting away and you'll figure it out eventually. Uh, if you know why you're making a mistake, well, it's a lot easier to make the change. It's how many times, whether it's not only fire, I'm trying to do anything in life, is, is why does this keep going wrong? Uh, yeah, that's, you know, get to the root of the issue, then make the correction. And that seems to work. And I'll ask people why they're doing something. And if they say they don't, they, they don't know, we put the gun down and we're going to talk about it. Uh, you know, particularly if I had, I've had people who are really trying to control that gun. Young athletic police officers, you know, they're going to muscle everything. Brute strength works for everything. Well, it doesn't seem, it doesn't work for this. So we'll, we'll have a chat. Why do you seem like you have to be in control? You are in control by letting go of control. Well, one funny, uh, you know, comment that, you know, with the staff here and my yoga background, they call me the gun guru. Uh, and uh, I'll come off the range once in a while and somebody will say, wow, man, you're like one with the gun. And I'll say, uh, not really. <laughs> I, I do my part, the gun does its part. With that same analogy, you know, that I'm one with the gun, if these same employees would have asked me, you know, how far do you live? And I told them I live 25 miles away. And they said, wow, dude, you got here fast. And I said, I took my car. Get it? You know, like, the car does all the work. Well, the gun does all the work. So th these are, you know, an example of some of the things I've learned that's just different, and it saves a lot of time. And uh, I, I also, I think I have a great rapport with my students. When I, you know, sit down with them, and some of them can't even spell gun yet, that's how new they are, and I explain to them that within about six or seven bullets, you're going to be the best shooter on the range, and I'm going to point that out. Which is real easy. You just you know, targets don't lie. You can just look at other people's targets, and they chuckle, they laugh, or they'll say, "Boy, you have really high hopes." And I say, "Absolutely, I do. I have high hopes for you, and I hardly even know you. I want them. I want them to be successful. 
uh, is, is it a little bit, you know, coming back on me? And I can say, you know, I, when I get in my car or whatever I do at the end of the day, I go, wow, I really helped somebody out today. Or, or you know, I convinced somebody that they can do something that they never even thought was possible. Uh, yeah, it's very rewarding. I can be selfish on that part also. Uh, but it, it it's really, in my opinion, after decade or so of doing this, that you don't need thousands and thousands of rounds to learn to shoot. Now, do you need thousands of rounds throughout your, your shooting career to be extremely proficient under less than optimal situations? Absolutely. Uh, I'll, I'll say that to a police recruit who's coming in, who's failing from the academy, and they're all bent out of shape, and I'll say, hey, how long have you been shooting? And you see, it's like, we're on day three. And I'll say... So what do you remember, how many rounds are you looking at? Maybe two, three hundred? He's like, yeah. I said, uh, 25 years, ballpark, million bullets. That's the difference between you and me. I said, but yet, my skills are easily obtainable for someone like you. Uh, be, because once I teach them to shoot, then it's just perfect practice. You're repeating uh, good behavior, and it's going well, and then I tell them, if it's going real well, now it's time to raise the stakes. Whether it means literally moving the target back, or shooting faster, or multiple targets, or shooting or moving, uh, that's, those are whole different skills. But the majority of people can't advance to the, the higher level because they haven't mastered the lower level. Uh, yet, unfortunately, I see often where people are doing that. They're, they're trying, they're, well, in law enforcement, sometimes they don't have a choice. Where they're, they're forced to be training, uh, doing things, and they can barely pass the minimal qualification. So you can't do the, the the minimal. You shouldn't be going any further. Yeah, you can't walk. Running is a really bad choice. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Makes a whole lot of sense. So, all right. At this point, it is time for our resource of the week. So, Jan, where, um, what website can folks learn more about um, training with you? Um, if they're local to New Jersey or they have to head to New Jersey, um, where are they able to get a hold of you? Okay, so I'm at RTSP, which is in Randolph, New Jersey, and uh, our website is www.rtsponline.com. I'm the director of training, and I could be. Uh, you can get in contact with me through uh, the phone there. Or you can send me an email at jwright, the letter J-A-W-R-I-G-H-T, also at rtsponline.com. Perfect. And these, all, all this information will be on our show notes, folks, so um, feel free to head on over and you can, you can take a look at that. All right, Jan, I always love to, uh, to end my podcast with what I believe to be a really important and telling question. So, you know, you've had an awful lot of life experience, which is really, really great. So... If you could give business owners, or really people in general, just one solid piece of advice to either help their business or, more importantly, to help them live a better life, what would that piece of advice be? Uh, let's see. I, I, to me, it's find what you like doing and doing it. Uh, I had a wonderful, exciting police career, and I was done. Uh, it was the greatest job in the entire world. Um, I think when I speak to college groups sometimes that I was spoiled, that at the age of 19 I knew exactly what I wanted to do. Uh, I had a running joke with the uh, person who sat next to me at the police academy. I said, if I'm dead, make sure I'm here tomorrow. It could be a weekend. weekend that part, and I, was, my, I, I can't believe I actually got paid for the majority of my career. I started as a dispatcher answering the phone. I ended as chief of police. I did tons and tons of amazing things. I traveled all over. I was educated 
um, in, in all kinds of equipment and, and techniques. And I think, uh, actually, I could say I know that I, I actually help people because they told me. Uh, and I was spoiled in that area. So even when I was, I knew I was retiring because I think I ran that course, I felt like a 17-year-old again, and I was just like, what am I going to do? You know, high school's ending, I have to find something to do. So my advice is, is to find what you like to do and do it, and do not be afraid if you don't have a clue what you want to do. Uh, often when I speak at colleges, I'll say, who here has absolutely no idea what they want to do? And several people reluctantly raise their hand, and I'll explain to them how wonderful that is. And usually they say something along the lines like, yeah, please tell my parents that, uh, because they're paying for me. I, I said, so that means you can do everything. So uh, do not be afraid to fail. That's one thing I really enjoy about not failure, but working here at RTSP, the, the owners, uh, we've tried a few things. Some worked, some didn't work. We, didn't, we don't load back and go, well, that was a total flop. Uh, my answer to that is it didn't work now. It may work in the future. It's not, you know, failure's totally underrated. It has to be definitely brought up that uh, try everything if you don't know what you're That makes perfect sense. Absolutely perfect sense. So, uh, yes, you know, you talk about, um, and I, I know you've heard, you've mentioned this before as far as doubling your rate of failure. Uh, and I just want to kind of bounce that up there because I, I think it's, you brought that up and I remember going home and writing it down. So, you know, as far as having the ability um, to try more things, um, it, it, it's just that important, huh? Absolutely. And, and to make it in, in a simple term, in firearms training, if you're making every shot, you're not improving because that's just unrealistic. Uh, you, you need to push yourself to failure. I mean, that's just a common thing for athletics. Uh, you wouldn't go to the gym and lift the same two pounds your entire life. You're never going to get any stronger, so you're just basically wasting your time. Uh, one of the things I do for fun is slackline. And if anybody didn't know what a slackline is, it basically looks like a... Uh, uh, car seatbelt seat about that wide, that kind of material, and I tether it between two poles or trees and things like that, and I walk on it. Uh, it. It involves staying in the zone, being very focused. If I think about what I'm having for lunch, I'll fall off. But what I really enjoy, it's almost a philosophy of life of, in order to be halfway decent at it, you got to fall. And you've got to fall a lot. And I recall uh, a couple weeks ago, I, I had it hooked up in the, in the shoot house, warehouse area back here at the range, and a couple of the younger guys were, were trying to do it, and I said, try it, because they kept falling off. And uh, they were getting frustrated. And I said, what's up? And they said, I keep falling off. I said, you fell off four times. They're like, yeah, I keep falling off. I said, on any given weekend in the summer, I had this thing, I'll fall off 500 times. I said, that's why I'm halfway decent. I'm not even saying I'm good at it. I said, I'm halfway decent at it because I fall off and I don't have a problem falling off. Actually, what I do to make myself even more focused is that I lift it up a little high so when I fall off, I have to really pay attention. I'm going to hurt myself. Uh, but then I, I become more focused because I can't think of anything else. Uh, so I'm even raising the stakes on, on the failure. Uh, for firearms training, you, you need to push yourself to shots aren't going where they want to go. Then you're, you're raising it. Uh, when I teach at the uh, – we have a digital simulator here, which for lack of better terms is a walk-in video game. Uh, but it's mostly used for police training or people taking their shooting to a three, you know, 360-degree type thing where you interact with it. I explained to people before we start, this is the place to fail, and you're going to fail. Frankly, if you're not failing, then you're not pushing yourself hard enough. So that's kind of my philosophy for everything. Take risks, uh, and some things you can plan your risks. 
Uh, other things, it's, it's like, hey, I'm just going to give this a shot. Uh, you know, what's the best that could happen? It's always my answer. Everybody focuses on the worst. Who cares about the worst? We all know that. What's the best that can happen? Hey, it might work. You know? When, when, I'm, when I'm at that last point of my lesson, when I had somebody split the card, I'll explain to them. Uh, I said, you know, I, I kind of was surprised it on them, and they give me this goofy look, and uh, I say, this is possible, right? And they're like, well, I guess theoretically it's possible. I go, well, see, in my world, everything's impossible. possible. There's nothing that's impossible. Now, not unrealistic, like, and I know I can't dive off the roof unassisted without hitting the ground. You get someone to split a card at 21 feet away, all of a sudden their eyes open that, wow, I, I can actually be a real good shooter if I want to, and it is within my grasp because I've actually done it. Mm. So that's kind of my, my thing there. I love live it. With, live with passion, work hard, and do what you want to do, and don't be afraid of failure. I love it. Jan, thank you so much for joining me today. Obviously, I know how busy your thank schedule you. is, and uh, I appreciate uh, you joining your joining us and sharing your uh, your time, your experience, and your wisdom with us. Thank you very much. Folks, that is all the time we've got today. Thanks for tuning into The Real Deal with Jason Silverman. For more information about private coaching or to see if you'd benefit from one of our mastermind groups, visit me over at www.jasonmsilverman.com. I look forward to helping you achieve the success that you truly deserve. Until next time, let me leave you with this. Get out there and be the real deal. Set a goal, make a plan, work like hell towards it, and achieve the success that's waiting for you. Now's the time. Get out there and make it happen. Go get them, folks. This has been Jason Silverman, and I hope you have a spectacular week. You've been listening to The Real Deal with Jason Silverman. To access the great resources mentioned in the show and for information on coaching and mastermind group opportunities with Jason, please visit jasonmsilverman.com.